DMF. I am your host, Justin Yonts, and today my guest is Anthony Corone. This is part one. He is an actor and he is a producer. Enjoy. Okay, I have a, a guest with me today. I have Anthony Corone. Am I pronouncing that correctly? You are. Ding, 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 ding. Grand prize winner. <laughs> So um, my first question is, um, what was it like growing up in Willoughby, uh, Cleveland? Mm, it was gorgeous. Well, yeah? uh, in fact, it was so gorgeous that I there was a little community uh, that was called the Arrowhead Shore Club. And it was a little clubhouse at the end of it. And Arrowhead was a development that was built on Lake Erie sort of maybe a half a mile away from it. Mm -hmm. And it went east and west on what was called Lake, north and south on what was called Lakeshore Boulevard. But the bottom line was every street was named after an Indian. There was Seneca, Seminole, really? Tioga, Cherokee, Shawnee. And I lived on Cherokee Trail. And uh, so it was a kind of time of life when you know, you had to be in when the street lights came on. If the snow was on the streets, we would bumper hop cars and ride them down. We all had mm -hmm. paper routes. We all met at five in the morning. Can you imagine today's age, moms letting their kids out before middle school to go deliver papers and then on Fridays to go knock on strangers' door to collect their... You, what do you mean you don't have my 35 cents, Mr. Johnson? Yes, I can come back tomorrow. You know, that's what it was. <laughs> uh, we played football. You tried out for a team. You know, if you made it, you made it. It, it is, in fact, a, one of the quaintest little... Willoughby, Last Stop Willoughby was a uh, Twilight Zone episode. It's got really? a little gazebo in the center of town, and uh, the high school was called the South High Rebels. It uh, still called South High, and I'm not sure if the mascot is the Rebels or not, but we had a rebel with a rebel flag. Our helmets had rebel flags, and it wasn't indicative of really? racism. It was yeah. uh, because the school system was divided into two sides, uh, north and south, and south was where I went. And north were the Rangers. They're, so it was the same Willoughby East Lake School District, and those were the two high schools in it. Um, but of course, it got canceled. And now I think there's just an S <laughs> on the side. <laughs> Although, the Was I'm, Washington I'm, football team. <laughs> yeah, and the Cleveland Indians. I'm wearing right now uh, my high school ring. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And it has a, a, a rubble hat on it and a little rubble flag yeah. on the side. And it was because I'd lost it and I went to a 25th year reunion. And long story short, I saw someone with it. No, my son came home from high school and said, Hey, dad, here. And he gave me the uh, high school class ring brochure, 500 and some dollars. And I said, But do you, do you want one of these? And he's like, No, nah, man, I don't know one of those and I said thank goodness but now I wanted to know where mine was and I remember giving it to uh Diane Aykroyd to go steady with back in the day and I don't know <laughs> if she ever gave it back to me or what and then when my father died in the I river through, no I went through his drawer uh just you know like where his stuff was yeah. and there it was in a box he had found it and he was going to give it to me uh I think for my like something birthday, my 60th birthday or something, but he didn't make it that far. And I found it. I was wow. like, oh my gosh, he had it all this time. Wow. So, so I still wear it to this day. And I wear it in films uh, to make it appear as though it's a fraternity ring or something. That's a long That's uh, story for nothing, isn't it? But yeah, Willoughby was no. great. I, I wanted to uh, write a 
series of adventures uh, like and call it the arrowhead shore club and put all my friends in it with fictitious names and talk about the times we went down to the airport and crossed the runway to try to gig yeah. frogs and one of my friends went in and it somehow slipped and drowned i got tangled in some barbed wire and we used to walk out on the lake on the ice which was horrifically stupid because the ice was all yeah. just jagged shards really thick jagged shards so it, but i never got around to it because i got tired of doing things that I had to convince people to buy or or, or distribute. Yeah. So yeah, so I never did. Uh, one day maybe when I get older. I yeah. loved Willoughby. My fiftieth year reunion is coming back this year, but I'm not going to go. No, you don't want to go. Mm -mm. No, when I went last time, I saw people. I was like, "Wow! Oh, look at you! <laughs> Everybody looks so different." Except me, of course. Yeah, no, I look different too. Uh, yeah. But really, after about five seconds, there was really nothing to talk about. Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah, I outgrew it, that. you know. Yeah. There was uh, an interesting thing where they would say, uh, oh my gosh, this is uh, this is Anthony. I knew you. And you're like, what? I, I, I really wasn't popular. Yeah. I was kind of a class clown, perhaps. And then after four or five of those, he's an actor. Did you see him in? I believe you don't play, yeah. maybe, you know, kind of thing. And then I would say, well, well, you know, to the wife or husband, what do you do? Oh, no, I'm just a nuclear physicist. You know? <laughs> but you're an actor. I'm like, oh, my gosh, they have such a distorted sense of value, I think. Yeah, so. it's, you know, it's America, you know. <laughs> How do you think... Um... Willoughby, uh, am I am I pronouncing it right? Willoughby, is that yes. how you say? It? Yes. Willoughby. Yep. How, how do you think that? Um, do you think in that some ways prepared you for acting? No, uh, maybe. Uh, there was a. I, I wanted to be a drummer, really? and so I. I, uh, I my grandmother was an auction type. She had a curio shop and she went to an auction. She bought me a, at a garage sale, I think, a set yeah. of drums. It had a Playboy bunny head on the front, on the base. <laughs> and I thought I was the best, you know, and I thought I was great. And uh, I wanted to, uh, I would play in my garage. And then there was a guy that lived right down the street from me. And he came by because he heard the drums and he said, well, you play drums. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. He goes, can I try and he was so unbelievably good at it that I quit. I just went, you know, if I can't even be better than someone on my own street, there, there's yeah. really no point in pursuing this. And my dad said, no, 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 it's stick to itiveness is very important. You know, and Gene Krupa, the legendary drummer, was playing at a place called the Theatrical in Cleveland. And he somehow finagled it so that he could mm. bring his 12-year-old uh, son in. And Gene Krupa came up to the table and said, hey, son, you know, don't don't quit playing. He gave me his sticks. And my mm. dad said, don't play with those. And of course I did. And banged them all up. I also banged up a, a football signed by the 1964 Cleveland Browns because I won a pass, punt, and kick contest there uh, and represented Cleveland in a statewide competition, I think. Uh, I forget where. It was at Cleveland Stadium. And they also gave me a varsity jacket uh, mm. with it. And my dad said, I'm putting these in the attic. I don't want you to touch them. And of course, I wore them and played with it in the street. And then, like he did with my ring, he showed up uh, on a birthday with it. Go, here, here, don't you wish you had listened to me? 
I said, yeah, yeah, I really do. It was all scuffed up. You could hardly read any of the names or anything. And then I ended up working as a day player on any given Sunday, and Jim Brown was sitting right next to me. And I said, wow, man, I can't believe I'm sitting here next to Jim Brown. You know, Jim, when I was Mr. Brown, I think he even called it. When I was young, I, I, I joined a pass punt kick taunt, and he, did, and he just turned around and looked at me like I was talking Greek. Yeah. What the hell your point, brother? Like that. I can see that. Yeah, I can like, see him doing that. Yeah, and I just went, you know, I, never mind, man. I got no point. I, he's <laughs> a, just nowhere close to being a role model at all. He's uh, sad, sadly. So he just kind of was just, you know, he he didn't see the moment that you were having where you're like, I'm recognizing somebody I haven't seen in a long time, and he's just. Oh, like, legend! I, no, he, yeah. yeah, no, he, he, yeah, he was, and I, and I heard, and I saw stories, and I've heard, read stories about how he is, you know, later on in life. But terribly, terribly disappointing to me. Although, you know, I might have been disappointing to other people too. I mean, you know, who knows? Yeah, yeah. I I remember him in um, Mars Attacks, the Tim Burton film, where he plays the the boxer or whatever. And and Jack Nicholson is in there, and he plays like a, a Richard Petty type character. And oh wow, the the I chemistry so. between the two is pretty was pretty funny. So moving on, to, um, so you, I found it fascinating how you ended up getting into the business. You were a lifeguard, and this is on. Am I correct? Porky's too. The next day. Yeah, it was my first uh, thing. Yeah, it was. Yeah. They were filming near where my lifeguard stand was in Hollywood, Florida. And uh, a buddy of mine said, hey, all of these extras are going to be housed here for dinner all night long. You should stop by. Uh, and so I was single and I said, yeah, sure I did. And then I went to watch and someone said, you can't stand here. And I said, why? And he said, because you're in the shot. And I said, what does that mean? And he said, if you want to watch, you can go over there and watch. And I said, well, who are those guys? They're the stars. What? But yeah, come on. Hey, can I be in this? Anyway, I could do that. You could be an extra. <laughs> and I broke every rule, long story short, and ended up being upgraded on my first day on a set before lunch. And I, I said, wow, um, I think I'm going to do this. Uh, there's another dad story in there. I don't want to bore you with it, but I had a, I had very long hair. I had Michael Landon type Tarzan hair hair really and they they said you need to come and get in line part of the long story and i heard oh what's up and they said we're gonna cut your hair because this is a period piece i said well, well hold up so i didn't like go off metal jacket <laughs> i did yeah it was kind of well you know ob kind of haircut and, and i never played high school football as a senior and i represented mm. it north willoughby uh because i didn't want to get my hair shorn and my dad was disappointed so disappointed he couldn't believe it you know and yeah. i said and my high school picture is an embarrassment you should google it i got like long hair down the hair i look like an idiot um and i didn't want to do the same thing again to him so i went in the bathroom and i slicked it all back and got away with it went to another hairstylist who did your hair oh he did really yeah she sprayed it all and pinned it in and the oh, guy wow. had the guy had earlier said to me uh hey i was walking around with no shirt on trying to pick up girls <laughs> while i <laughs> in the holding session and he comes up he goes hey kid you know why don't you put a shirt on and i said hey pops yeah, yeah why don't you uh why don't you uh, jump in a lake but that's not what i said 
No, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I, I, I know I, what you said. <laughs> yeah, yourself in the lake, yep. And uh, <laughs> so that 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 began that little war. Wow. Yep. That's so. Like so, did that just did it like? I decided to try. I decided to try to be an actor. And I had no idea what was. So growing up in Willoughby, I had some friends, like that was the original question, that were very, very talented. That guy, Jimmy Black, God rest his soul, was a wonderful musician, could play uh, like classical gas on an acoustic guitar by ear. And that's who I used as a benchmark on my own street. What was my luck? Um, and then I had a bunch of friends also that I would, uh, I, I was a good, I had a good memory. It seems I was the kind of kid that in school, I could get B's and A's without paying attention. And the teachers tried to always catch me while I was in. And eventually they said, look, you know, these people aren't as smart as you are, not as clever or not as attentive or whatever. And it's not fair that you distract them. And so I remember listening to, uh, and entertaining all my friends during a drug-infused camp out one time, almost verbatim doing Alice's Restaurant by Arlo Guthrie after hearing it twice. So uh, I had some very hilarious friends and I had to compete with them, but I was a keen observer. I remember being in a mall saying, oh, look at that guy and don't think of a turtle. And I could look at people's dress and decide what their personality was relative it I, I don't know maybe a little rain man-ish but I was uh when I went into ninth grade it was a I went to a Catholic school Immaculate Conception until eight eighth grade and I was quite the nerd uh if it wasn't for sports I would have been very much a nerd I guess and when I went into the public school system in ninth grade I went in listening to the monkeys and these guys had like Led Zeppelin and James Gang and I was like what is that so I, I really had to keep up and maintain some sort of, you know, coolness, if that's the word. I, I wore plaid pants and a cardigan sweater because my mom didn't know what fashion was because we wore uniforms. So uh, I, you know, who knows? I think all of that may have worked to it. But stumbling into it was interesting. And if someone had said, you're going to grow up and be this, I would have went, well, that's unbelievable. And I can't imagine how. I would go about it. I just was in the right place in the right time and seemingly I have talent at it. It's so free and it's such a gift to me. I don't even really have to try. I'm not trying to sound pretentious. It just happens. Yeah. I could imitate my great grandfather from Italy. I remember them putting me on the dining room table at my grandmother's house once and telling me to do an impression of grandpa. Anthony save you money i was maybe five six years old interesting so you yeah. so you had a, an attention to detail that you would pick up from other people uh, or just in general i i didn't really realize it i thought everybody had it i i to this day i watch television and I, my show of shows was my favorite sid mm -hmm. caesar was doing all this nonsense babble as a french guy or an italian guy and i could emily like that i could do like maybe 15 or 16 different cartoon characters. Uh, I could do a, a variety of accents. Just, I could. Just from the, you had the ear for it. I, I, I had the ear and somehow was able to figure out how I had to place my my tongue and, and yeah. uh, uh, instrument to be able to do it. And my children, both, uh, my daughter Tyler and my son Dylan can both also do accents. My wife cannot. 
sadly poor thing we went to north carolina to uh my dad's uh, retirement party and we drove all the way through in a van and we went to this north carolina diner and the gal comes up and she's chewing gum she goes oh, what kind, okay what kind of potatoes you want grits potatoes and you want bacon and they both looked at each other and they went hillbilly like because they had never heard anyone with that with that accent and i said i'm sorry i'm so sorry they're just you know went one of the priests that <laughs> was uh was from india and he was naming the father and not the son and the holy spirit and the only thing they knew that voice from was you know uh, madagascar and, and yeah. so the it was amazed when they put a face to it so those embarrassing moments happened what what part of north carolina because i'm in charlotte north carolina which rodanth rodanthe they won one of those giant houses on the on the on the um what's yeah, the i don't even know i don't even know where that is <laughs> it's on the outer banks it's on the outer oh banks. it's been on the outer banks. okay yeah we, we we're all from cleveland we all drove there and had this giant house with four laundry but 50 bathrooms whatever that's funny. Now, when you were doing the lifeguard thing, was that something that you would, would you watch people the same way you would in the, in school? Oh, uh, well, I had to watch people to make sure they didn't drown, you know, <laughs> and since we live in a multicultural place, we were inundated with French Canadians. And um, they were the ones who would go in the water when it was the most inclement with jellyfish and ripped currents like wearing a hoodie and stuff, you know on a walkie-talkie going oh man please don't go in front of my chair please don't go in front of my chair so no not really i was uh just sitting there sitting there staring it was a very i i, I didn't like the job at all one guy the one time came up to me and he was gesticulating and his hands were like this and i and i caught myself looking at them and then I said, I'm not, I'm not going to, and I did again. And on the third time when I looked at him, I said, I'm sorry, I keep looking at your hands. What, what happened to your fingers? And he said, oh, frostbite. I was on a fishing boat in Boston or something, and it went down and I had to row mm -hmm. in a little lifeboat and the water would freeze, froze my hands to the oar. And, uh, and, and when I was saved, I, I had to amputate my fingers. And I thought, Wow. I said, that's, uh, I don't know if I'd have the wherewithal to do that. And he said, well, it wasn't about bravery. It was about, I just wanted to row so fast so I could keep warm. Otherwise I would have froze. I'd never even thought of my fingers. Wow. Survival. That sounds, yeah. that sounds I asked for his autograph, but he, no, I'm kidding. Uh, so, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> As for his autograph, but he, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, had, he, no he had no finger. He had no fingers. Yeah. yeah. Brum, brum. Oh boy! Yeah, put it in your mouth. Yeah. Um, interesting. Did you like film growing up? Were you like a movie guy or? No, I was a TV guy. I was a hmm. I mean, because we, you know, like there was the Saturday night at the movies. I was born in 1955, so hmm. you know we had three channels: no color television. First color show I watched was Petticoat Junction but to this day I can remember most of the jingles and some of the actors names uh, mm -hmm. that were in it I didn't care about that at all I had a crush on Diane Carroll uh, thank you from, from uh, she was a she was in a nurse she was a nurse what the heck was the name yeah, of the show I want to say Julia name? Julia was that the name of the show uh Maybe who cares? Whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, I hope, but Green Acres was my favorite. Yeah. Green Acres. And, Arnold and, the pig and. 
it was the voices and every single person, their personalities were so perfect. And also mm. Mayberry RFD. Mm. One guy would always warm up before he talked. It was the guy who was the, uh, the agriculture. Well, uh, you know, uh, did that. And, and they all had their interesting quirks. And, and I could do impressions of a lot of them. What, um, what, what happened? What about Mr. Ed? Did you watch that? I did, but not wasn't really. That was I wasn't amused by the Mr. Ed show much. What Gomer was Pyle, I was, Gomer Pyle. I was, you know, Gomer Pyle and the the sergeant, Sergeant Carter. Uh, but uh, who I forget who the guy was in Mr. Ed. He was boring to me. He just really kind of just all dressed up, went to the stable, talked to the horse. Someone had string on his horse my my today. mother the my mother the mother car, the car yeah car. car 54 oh yeah those guys in car 54 ended up being together in the monsters uh grandpa was his partner uh oh yeah, yeah. frank fred gwynn's partner in it. Yeah. i guess you brought him on so all right so so you get like the acting bug so so what do you do do you just like so i was it I was a waiter and that was my like job sort of. And, mm -hmm. and luckily for me, I was able to manipulate shifts enough to, to uh, take off, to go on auditions. And I was able to learn lines. Well, I never did well commercially where most of the money was, but I booked a lot of uh, parts in films. South Florida at that time was pretty much the third Hollywood. It was the only game in okay. town. There were no tax incentives. It was just New York or uh, or L.A. Or, or Florida. And Gentle Ben and Flipper were all filmed down Gentle there. And, yeah, Ivan Tour <laughs> Studios was kind of what brought it all down there. And so there was a ton of, of film production. And there were three people in power, casting directors, who uh, who you had to endear yourself to. And, um, and then you were all set. Uh, and yeah. the lady named T. Miller, God rest her soul, she was very responsible for my, and another one called Beverly McDermott worked uh, as a horsewoman and she was Burt Reynolds casting person. And uh, I met, first time I really had to think about what acting was aside from being an extra or a stand-in was Don Johnson's photo double on Miami Vice. And uh, they would shoot like over my shoulder on my hands, pushing the boat or driving the car or holding the gun mm -hmm. or whatever. And I said, I don't want to do this anymore. I, I want to be in, more in front of the camera. And the guy who took my place ended up being his stunt double. And I really didn't want to be that either. I got upgraded by doing a stunt and I thought I mm -hmm. might want to be a stunt man. And when I asked, they said, well, can you ride a horse? No. Can you ride a motorcycle? No. Are you a martial artist? No. Are you a gymnast? No. Uh, well, are you a boxer? No. Well, what, what makes you think that you could be a stuntman then? I go, well, I'm, I'm an athlete, I guess. I don't know. And so I ended up being in the four or five guys in the gang of goons. The directors would always come up and go, okay, I need somebody to say something. And he would audition us all right there in a line. You say, you say, you say. And I got chosen every time. And eventually I became goon number one. Goon number one, huh? Yeah, it's wow. one. Yeah. I also yeah, I saw you because I saw that you're in uh, you were in Cape Fear. You're in you're one of the correctional 
Awesome. Oh my gosh, yes, that was an interesting story too. I mean, everything is an interesting story. So I went to read for Cape Fear, but uh, Mr. Scorsese only wanted to see people who had actually been in prison to read for prisoners. Of course. You know, I was like, come on, man, really? Okay, yeah, sure, whatever. So, so you um, tell him I'm, I'm in, I was in prison? <laughs> yeah, I was in prison for larceny by trick in Tennessee once, but yeah, that didn't count. So I, I get a chance to read as a, as a prison guard, and my line was, hey, Katie, what about your books? So I said the line, hey, Katie, what about your books, as he was leaving uh, the correctional facility, and... Uh, guy comes up to me who's marty's first assistant directors on this side and marty's where i am and the first assistant director looks at me and says um uh anthony marty would like to know if you could slow your walk down a little bit i think i standing right next to him and i looked at mr scorsese and and i, and I said yeah tell mr scorsese i'd be happy to it's like like it was insane yeah. and then later on i was on a film with uh, somebody uh, that was in a position to hire him as a producer. Mm -hmm. And they said, how is it working with, and he said, I never even talked to him. They did a movie together and it was up for an Academy Award. And the actor said, yeah, I never even talked to him. It was a little Pope mobile and he sent his person out to talk to me. At uh, one time I read for a Woody Allen movie, same personality kind of. Yeah. And I sat in an ante room for maybe 30 minutes. And finally he walked across the hallway, 20, feet away from me and just glanced at me and then uh, five minutes later somebody came up to him and she goes okay thank you very much uh, you're not right for this that's that's what he does he yeah. he'll put you in a in a green room and he'll walk i mean people think that that's kind of a joke but it's like no he's seriously gene garofalo says he just stared at her yeah you know it actually no. is doing you a favor because of, I, I you know i'm not that person but there are many people that i've gone on auditions and, and they'll just massage you through the whole thing when you when i'm producing or directing something uh, and you walk in the door i know whether you're right for it or, or you're not right for it yeah you know, but i'm what i'm gonna say look i don't know who sent you and i used to i don't know who sent you but you might as well fire them because you're not even close to what we asked for it's, it's like going to new york when you uh if you're like interviewing tenants you know in like five seconds whether you want them or not and they're like okay now i gotta pretend like yeah Thank yeah. you so much. Do you, you want to see this? Uh, you're thinking in the back of your head. No, no, no. But I gotta be yeah, polite. They said, <laughs> "Wow, that was fantastic." Can you like you know? Are you available? This wasn't that great, Bob. Oh man, it's so one. I went to walk up there. Oh my gosh! Someone should tell her to get out of the business. You know, it was that kind of thing. So, uh, and and so I admire that because it's like, look, yeah. you're not the right type. Because you're not going to work yeah. for me. You know, that's fine. Well, that's what David uh, David Lynch does. Something similar to that as well. He doesn't um, he doesn't have you read sides. He just kind of you know talks to you and he figures it out through meeting you. Whether yeah, because ultimately, to. I think you're an extension of what you are as a person, whatever yeah. energy you give off, you can tweak it a little bit or not. Yeah. Uh, Sydney the Met was a completely different kind of a read. Mm. Oh, yeah, uh, it, yeah, find me guilty. Yeah, and uh, that came out of uh, out of Oz, I think, um, mm. for some reason. I don't know, I think, uh, but that's how I got to read. And, and he was just real accommodating, a gentle, gentle man. And I saw him, he would be, he would walk up to somebody and move their hair to the left a little bit. And he just stared at me for, you know, a few minutes and he went, well, would you like to read? I said, yeah, I, I would like to read. Okay. Well then, well then let's read. And 
we read. And he went, wow. okay, thank you. And uh, that was that. I could see him doing that. That's great. Um, because you've worked with so many directors. I mean, you worked with James Gray, you worked with Jay Roach, you worked with Oliver Stone, Martin Scorsese, Mike, Michael Bay. What are some of the things you learned from those, from those people? That's a great question. Uh, that every single person's process and the ability to articulate what they want and in fact what they want is completely different completely different so if you're on you know a show with with uh one they're so brilliant and they have so much going on at once they'll tell you something and then once that's downloaded they upload a new task for themselves and that they have to revisit it to mm -hmm. you know bounce you back into play again uh they short out and and james was the kind of person james gray i worked with him three times that's actually a pretty you know, i had no idea who james gray was or what we own the night was i thought it was an independent movie i wasn't really nervous about it i went in i i did my read and uh they they said well they love you you have to go back next week and always when you have to go back in person that's a difference i'm going to get off on a little tangent now the, between the self-tape thing and the in the room thing the in the room thing is a whole nother animal than the self-tape thing the self-tape thing and i think they know it can you can hit pause you can put a teleprompter up you're not putting any huge effort in it there's no stress involved in a self-tape yeah. and 90 percent of the time you're you're not even your stuff's not even going to be seen because it's a big throw it against the wall and see what sticks kind of deal um unless the casting gatekeeper is endeared to one of your agents or not but in, in the room deal it's a whole nother thing it's like a, being an olympic skier in fact that's what i might keep going back to my dad what's what's your job like man i said it, it it's like uh being in the world series with bases loaded in two outs and you're up that's what it's like you know you gotta you gotta nail it you really truly do you can't you you can't mess up because now you're in your head and you're worried about oh oh my gosh what, what, what? uh but each director was different sydney lamette would shoot everything one way like you do the wide you do the tight you do the this you do the that you do the close-ups on every scene so if you were a bartender let's just say and, and you had five scenes in the bar with different mm -hmm. energy levels you did all five scenes in the wide he didn't flip back and flip back and flip back. Uh, and uh, there are a lot of people that had, uh, including me, had a difficult time. Okay, well, how do I match my continuity? You know, that kind of thing. And yeah. then Carl Franklin would have a, a videotape of, of your rehearsals so that you could see how to match your continuity. Sometimes it would be an hour or an hour and a half before they went into coverage. Uh, each one was different. Each one was different. And, uh, and that truly truly is if anyone's coming up and and i'm not saying that i'm i've been doing it and making a living at it for a long time uh malleability is the most important real key 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 thing that you, everybody's going to expect it to do it some people are very tolerant that's okay man we'll just do it your way say what you want this is a rough template and somebody come like like you said that instead of this uh do you need to see the script you know, I mean, it, like I, I w watched that video of you with that girl. She you were like, OK, I told you three times man, to not, to, you know, to say this line. This <laughs> the third time you step in. And I mean, we only see 
we didn't see the other two takes, but we see the take and you stop her immediately and go in. And it's like, yeah, you got to get it in the one note. I mean, you yeah. need to be malleable. You can't like, this is time. So many people, and, the, and I think the reason why that happens, is I started coaching people um, yeah. for a couple of reasons, but what I often see is people learn things in, in a pattern, right? And I'll use a phone number as a perfect example. If if I tell you my phone number, you're expecting to hear this song, ba 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 three, three, four, right? <laughs> but if someone gives me my phone number where you're learning, ba 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 beep, you, you, you're not even going to listen to any of those numbers. You just, your mind is blown. So similarly, they'll learn something in a rhythm and that, and they learn it in chunks of time too. So yeah. la, 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 or whatever. And, and they always put that pause there. And I said, for this gal, think about the thought, think about grammar, yeah. think about this sentence is a thought and this paragraph is a few of those thoughts come out. What exactly are you trying to say? And you're learning this word after this word, after this word, after this word, after this word, you don't even know the ride. You're not even on the ride. Yeah. I mean, uh, because, because if you're worried about you, sometimes, you know, we're not going to let the other person finish the sentence. If we're like really angry, I'm not going to sit there and, you know, wait for you to do it. I mean, if, I mean, it, there's the technical aspect of that, you know, where you kind of have to let them get their line out, but you know, you're just, you're right on top of them, right on top of them. Yeah. And your yeah. body is interrupting them. Like, yeah. All of that says it, and you're more than likely going to steal that edit from some, you know, it's not going to have this person talking the whole entire time because, uh, you know, the reactions are as important. Listening is as important. Um, but uh, that's what I learned from different directors. And I didn't learn it from them. They weren't patient enough. It just, they yeah. expected me to be that pony that could do that trick. And well, Michael said, Bay, he's, you know, you better do it now. You know, he's not a, yeah, he's yeah. not a no nonsense guy. No, he doesn't. He, uh, he, he doesn't play. He, he, he won't even, and he won't even tell you what he wants. Cause he, he, he may know what's good, but he doesn't know how to get there. And yeah. I saw, you know, he'd be luckily for me, it didn't work out that way, but he'd be like, okay, really? That sucked, man. Let's go again. Yeah. But uh, he, oh, he did do that to me. There was a, a thing we were supposed to drive over a causeway. And he says, okay, look, uh, I'm going to be over here with Martin and, 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 uh, Will. Yeah, I, I know. I was trying to remember exactly how he said it. Martin and Will, and he, because they're going to be doing Duvetine stuff, you know, car landing and stuff. And he goes, I'm, so I'm just going to hand this off to you. You're going to drive your car over there. There's a bunch of stuff that's going to be flying off this transporter. He showed us all a mock-up of that scene. And he said, and there's going to be a chain, a swing. It's going to bash into you. Your hood's going to fly up, and I'm go and you, you have to get to the try to save uh, Gabriel. I said, okay, cool, great. And so he goes, all right, I'm, I'm leaving. So he leaves and a guy comes up and he says, hey, Anthony, how you doing? I go, good. He, 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 are you all set? I go, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty set. He said, okay, I'm going to attach the camera to the side of the window here. Uh, okay, that was good. Great. Okay. All right, you cool? Yeah, I'm fine. You don't need to get out or anything because if you do, you got to get out on that side. No, no, I'm fine. You don't need anything to drink. You don't need to go to the bathroom. No, no. That guy goes, hey, hey, Anthony, how you doing? Sound guy. Yeah, you know, I know. He goes, but there were like three units of sound guys. He goes, let me see your level. 
so I had to show him my level list. So he goes, I, I'm going to be kind of like screaming. Okay, good. Yeah. That's great. Good. Another guy comes in. And this went on. Hey, Anthony, how you doing? I'm stunt coordinator. So I'm going to put a guy with an AR-15 next to you. He's going to be popping off rounds out of the side window. The shell cases are going to come at you like this. So they're, they'll hit, some of them may or may not hit you. Uh, and I knew that was the case because I sat in this hole waiting to come out of it. And there was a saw spitting out, you know, whatever caliber bullets into my shirt, burned me, like whatever. Another guy comes up, he goes, hey, yeah, you, are you cool, you know, slating yourself? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, sure. And then uh, and the vehicle guy goes, look, the brakes on this aren't really that good, bro. I mean, we got two stunt guys. You can, we were swerving in and out, but you can only get up to about 40 miles an hour. But, you know, the more you do that kind of stuff, don't flip it because it's a Jeep and it's got it's heavy on the side because of the camera. Don't, 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 don't. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they say, okay, ready, go, 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 go. Uh, and by the time I got close to what I thought was a longer drive, I had said like two things. So Michael comes over, he takes the, <laughs> takes the play back out and he goes, oh my God, really? Because that, that sucked. That was terrible. I like I want boogers coming out of your nose and spit flying out of your mouth. And and so uh, out of that whole sequence, two words that I can't say here came out, and that was all they took from that. So wait, I, you two words that came out from him or from me? From you? Yeah, yeah it was just you. like organically. I just went ah, da da da, da boom, and that was that. You know, yeah. and I said a bunch of other stuff, but but there yeah. it was. Yeah, I mean that. I mean that's. He's put, I mean, the good news is when you're putting in a situation like that, there's there's no time for you to think or do anything. You just basically go and do it. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, but you did. I did have to think about all of the stuff that they told me about and every new layer came mm -hmm. by it. it. says, write your own dialogue, whatever you want to say, man. But you, 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 I need you to have it happen by the time you get over this causeway. Yeah. And the, as again, the causeway was a mile. You can't go over 40. Yeah, you, you got to swerve <laughs> in and out of three different cars. The, the hood's going out. You got to you got to play that. You got to hit the, you got to, you know, the bump. You got a guy with an AR-15. Yeah, right next to you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I mean, what, what was, uh, what was Tom Shadiak like on uh, Ace Ventura? What was he like to work with? Uh, it was basically it was basically Jim's thing. I mean, yeah. you know, he was, he was the guy from in living color and we all knew that he was this freaky all, all totally out there thing just from watching him. Yeah. And, uh, and it was basically all Jim and Tom would just say, okay, we got it or no, let's try something different. But for me, I was just a reporter. <laughs> and it was the first thing that I had done that, uh, man, I, I was amazed. Like everywhere I went, hey, man, saw you in H Hey, man, saw you in H I'm like, whoa, that's, that was crazy. I was, only, I was only in one scene. I ended up working with Jim two more times after that. Yeah. The Truman Show. And uh, I love you, Philip Morris. You remind me a lot of uh, Robert Forrester, you know, really? with, with your with with your patience on the camera. I mean, we're going to get to We Own the Night and Oz. Because I want to contrast the two because I think those are two roles that you played where they were like, I like that you could play the the character you play in We Own the Night is so different from that character and from a lot of the things that we saw you play. So when we get when we get when we get to that, um, I wanted to ask you though, uh, what about Barry Sonnenfeld? How was he like? 
Uh, he was also an interesting, on, on, you know, funny that you should ask about him because I use a story about the, him in uh, in some of the classes that I've taught. I, I've given a line and it was like, oh my God, what happened to your hair? You know, and I'll give somebody just those words. I'll say, say that line. And so yeah. they'll say the line, oh my God, what happened to your hair, right? And so, uh, and most people just say it like, oh my God, what happened to your hair? Like that which is whatever. And, yeah. and so I'm on this thing and I say to him, just out of curiosity, why did you hire me? And he said, uh, I mean, how do you decide who to hire somebody? And he goes, you know, I really don't really like to tell people why, what my process is. He goes, but I will for you. You laughed, you laughed at him. You were like, you may have, oh my God, what happened to your hair? Like, well, what really? You were a real person. Uh, perhaps person or that, yeah. I, I i found another flavor that no one else found and i'm not sure why it just came from you know me and no one knew why you were saying oh my god what happened to your hair and really what it was was uh tucci came out of a car he was taking dance lessons and he had a wig on and he had like spandex clothes on. he pulls his portion to the lot and i'm just driving out and he gets out of the car and now that, that was my line no, one of my lines but yeah. it, it's nice to know that i've worked with people that i didn't really know like oh my gosh i'm working with this guy who's the that yeah. of all that this is because I, I i may have been intimidated nor have i yeah. ever really I think watched that was good I, yeah i, I just went I into it and that. just you know i didn't compare myself to anybody i, I figured i was cast as they say casting comes from you know somebody has to motivate you to find out where you need to go then they've cast it incorrectly and casting is a good part mm -hmm. of it okay that about does it for this episode i want to thank anthony caron for coming on remember this is only part one i also would like to thank uh kim houston for uh, helping put this together and you can check out uh, Kim Houston Acting Studios. As always, you can find me at Justin Yachts. Please check out the YouTube uh, version of this. And uh, if you liked this video, consider um, subscribing and giving us a review. And uh, I will see you next time on the DMF. <laughs>